Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to our We Are podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Corey Geiger coming to you along with Jared Prugar. We are from the uh, Beaver Stadium press box, probably about an hour or so removed from Penn State's 45-17 win over Minnesota. This was a butt whooping. Penn State really took uh, control in the third quarter. Lots and lots to get to. Jared, a lot of people expected this to be a close game. One computer model actually picked Minnesota to win. Did did would you have foreseen Penn State coming out and hammering Minnesota the way they did? Yeah, I think so because and the reason why is you know we don't know much about Penn State other than they beat the teams that they are supposed to beat. Uh, but Minnesota has played literally nobody and they lost again lost games to Illinois and Purdue. So my thought coming into this game was that Penn State would handle them rather well. Um, it didn't start off as pretty as I think Penn State would have liked. But once that second quarter hit, it was all Penn State in a big way. And your score prediction, you had Penn State by 18 points or so? Yeah, I had 35-17. Yeah. So you're probably one of the you know, one of the people that's closer to this. Most everybody had this within a touchdown. I thought all of all the talk all week about Sean Clifford, the bigger story was whether Tanner Morgan could play, to be honest. Because you could just see it tonight. With their backup quarterback, Minnesota was just severely limited in what they did. And I thought Kirk Shiraka had a terrible game. I mean, you knew they were going to come in and, and run a ton with Ibrahim, and, and that's the one thing Penn State does very well. But without Tanner Morgan, I thought I didn't. I didn't see a twenty-eight point win, but I thought Penn State had a chance to really pull away in this. Yeah, when you go from a sixth-year guy to a guy that is a freshman, I mean, there there is a world of difference, right? I mean, Penn State's going through that now with with Clifford when he's healthy and Drew Aller. Um, and I think you're comparing apples to oranges there, but you know, for comparison's sake, there's a big difference between a six-year guy and a first-year guy, and and a lot of that is Tanner Morgan has played in Sirocco's offense before uh, when Sirocco was there previously, uh, and I think you know he just got off schedule. And Penn State did a great job of disrupting things in the backfield. Uh, they they kept Minnesota at bay at times. Now they did give up a couple of big plays here and there just by being overly aggressive. But, man, they were in that backfield early and often, and it paid off in a big way uh, early in the game. All right, we're going to spend the second segment talking about Sean Clifford and the boos uh, for Sean Clifford prior to the game when he was announced as the starting quarterback. A lot of boos for Sean Clifford, which I thought was completely classless. Uh, we'll talk about that a lot in the second in the second segment because I do want to get to the fact that I thought this was exactly – 
what Penn State needed. You get your ass handed to you last week against Michigan. You've got the season coming up next week against Ohio State. They just had to win this game first and foremost. They had to find a way to win. But to come out and just destroy Minnesota and play very, very well in all phases. Confidence, I thought, Jared, during the 5-0 start, I thought the best aspect of this Penn State football team was confidence. And I, I would, was pretty concerned that they might have all lost a lot of confidence, especially the younger players after what happened in Michigan. But to come out and do this on the eve of Ohio State coming here next week, which again, that game is the season. I thought this was just really the perfect time for this type of blowout. Yeah, and this is, you know, this is what everybody wasn't expecting, right? Because every time after Penn State loses uh, a big game like that, after a bye, it spirals and it and it gets out of control. Well, that didn't happen. They came out, handled business, and about as perfect as a way as you can. They show confidence in all facets of the game. But also, they got Drew Aller in the game, again, in the fourth quarter, and he's played nearly every game. And, and some of that was because of injuries, and a lot of that was because of blowouts. But getting that valuable experience is going to bode well for them moving forward as they gear up for next year. Um, but at the same time, they got the win. They're going into the Ohio State game at 6-1. and one. They're bowl eligible. <laughs> Which is, you know, which is obviously a great thing. So they've got that out of the way now. The season is still at their fingertips, right? If they beat Ohio State, there's a very good chance that they could end up somewhere very, very nice for a bowl game. No, they could be in the season. playoffs. If they beat right. Ohio State, they could be in the playoffs. We'll we'll get to all that later on. Uh, just to wrap up the first segment here, the wideout. 109,000 fans. It made a world of difference. Minnesota had five false start penalties in the first half. That's what you're talking about with uh, the whiteout atmosphere. It's always really cool. I've been to a bunch of these, as have you, Jared. A lot of you fans listening, you've been to whiteouts. This was really, really cool. Very well done. When we think about all the things Penn State football related and the size and the tradition and everything, I'll tell you, the, the whiteout really, it, it just never gets old. The stadium was rocking in the pregame. Uh, they played a great musical selection uh, the, about the greatest show from the greatest showman. I, I just think they they set the standard here for how to put put on this type of whiteout event. Yeah, this is a spectacle. And if you ever have a chance, you know, even if you're not a Penn State fan, you need to come to a whiteout game because there's nothing like it. You know, I was fortunate enough. I didn't see, you know, the the team running out from the press box. I actually took a look and watched it from uh, the north end zone. Uh, to just get a different vantage point, right? So you see the pyrotechnics going off the scoreboard. You see the team coming out, the light show that Penn State put on, you know, via an app, uh, which I thought was super cool. Um, but yeah, the pomp and circumstance around the whiteout game, Penn State always delivers. It was homecoming. They, you know, they had everybody back. They had the 2012 team back. Trace McSorley was in attendance. You know, he got more cheers than Sean Clifford and James Franklin um, and a lot of guys combined. And, you know, he's one of the most beloved Penn Staters uh, of all time. Uh, and then you then you've got a couple of guys on the field that are, you know, the pariahs uh, to an extent. But again, it was a great atmosphere. Uh, the stadium shaking. You just can't beat it. Penn State coaches, I thought, did a really good job. They got the tight ends involved. The defense was good. I mean, this was just a, a really good all-around game after the first, you know, 12, 13 minutes. Penn State struggled early on with the three and outs, and Clifford had the interception. But after that, Penn State really came out and, and just destroyed this team. All right, we're going to step away here for a quick break. Sean Clifford, all the booze. 
I, I got a big problem with you people if you're booing a college quarterback. I, we'll get to that here coming up in our second segment. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to our We Are podcast here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Listening very intently for the starting quarterback, Jared, because we all we all knew there was going to be a, a possibility, maybe, that Drew Aller could start. But he really just kind of got the feeling all week it was going to be Sean Clifford. Well, then something happened when they announced Sean Clifford. And... Um, I'm not one of those people that's offended by very much. The only thing that offends me is people who get offended by every damn thing. Some people just wake up in the morning and they're looking to be offended by something. I'm offended by almost nothing. But I'll tell you what, there are a lot of great Penn State fans and we appreciate you listening to this, you reading our coverage, there's passionate fan base and everything. But I'll tell you, Jared, when they announced Sean Clifford as the starter, it had to have been a third of this stadium was booing. Okay? And... Maybe it wasn't that many. Maybe it wasn't 30, 35,000 people, but it sure seemed that way. Shame on you people. Seriously. Shame on you people. Okay? I I, I got a big problem with you people if you're going to show up to a game and boo a college player. Now, look, this is a this is a billion-dollar sport. This is a professional sport. I get it. We have been, have been critical of Sean Clifford. I have certainly criticized Sean Clifford and his performance. And, and that is all fair game to me. When you're going to come out and boo a guy at his home stadium who really has done everything that he possibly – so he's not good enough, okay? He's not good enough. And, and I get that, and you all get that. I just have a problem, Jerry. I'm curious what you think. If you disagree, tell me, because I, 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 would, I would love to hear anybody that would have a, a dissenting opinion on this. I mean, the biggest thing I think we have to understand is the fan is always right, right? They're always undefeated because they don't go out there and perform. And listen, there have been times, and today was a perfect example. Sean Clifford started the game off pretty bad. Um, You know, with the interception, it was not a good throw. Um, But, you know, he comes out and then does what Sean Clifford can do. He had a couple of great passes, a couple of nice uh, nice deep balls. You know, the ball to Parker Washington was incredible. The ball to Tyler Warren was great. It was in a tight window. And I believe there's a ball to uh, Mitchell Tinsley up the sideline that was just put in a perfect place. So, you know, and Corey and I joked about this in the press box. We sit next to each other 
Um, and I don't know if he likes that or not at this point in the season. Um, but he is the most polarizing player in Penn State history because you either love him or you hate him. But nobody loves you, him. Or you love to no, hate him. Nobody loves him. Or you hate him. to love him. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a very he's a very good college quarterback, but at the same time, no, he can not. be no, a very not. bad one. No, he's not. In no way. Come on. you you got to rephrase that. In no way is he a very good college quarterback. He he's not. He he can play well at times, but there's nothing about him statistically over four or over four years that says he's a good college. No, a but very what I'm saying is when he's good, he is very good. He but when he is bad, yeah. he is very bad. Right. He's, there's no middle ground. There is That's for right. Sean Clifford. Yeah, and good, bad, or indifferent. You know, you, you look at him over the course of the last four years as a starter. Has there been a market improvement? I don't necessarily see that. Uh, I think he understands the game a lot better. I think the people around him are better than what they've been at certain times uh, in his career at Penn State, uh, namely 2019 and 2000 or 2020, 2021. But again, you know, it's just the inconsistencies that you don't want to see. Um, and tonight was a perfect example. And Minnesota didn't play bad on defense, but their their defense spent a lot of time on the field because the offense was just in conflict almost every drive. Where do you stand on the booing? Because look, I get it. All week long, we talked and we wrote about who would start. And and people can say, well, they weren't booing Sean Clifford. They were booing the fact that he that Aller wasn't starting. I don't I don't agree with that. I think they were booing Sean Clifford. And I I will flat out tell any Penn State fan that was here, if you were booing Sean Clifford, you're you're classless. Seriously, come at me, come write me anything you want, come attack me in any way. If you're out here booing this guy, I, I think that's a classless move. You have every right. You're paying thousands of dollars. I get it. Where do you stand, Jared, on booing college kids? Yeah, I don't think there's any room to boo anybody. Um, I, you know, at the same time, these guys are doing a job. They're doing. They're going out and playing a game. Um, are some of the things that Sean Clifford does his necessarily his fault? No, not all the time. I mean, a lot of it is, you know, you can boo James Franklin all you want, and um, you can boo – I mean, you're entitled to whatever you want to do, right? We live in America. We have it's free speech. But at the same time, these are kids. These are still young adults. Um, do they deserve it? No. Um, but – it's a 7.30 game. People have been here since 7.30 this morning. And, you know, it, it's it's a situation. It's a lose-lose, right? You're, you're, you want Sean Clifford. You want Drew Aller because that's the future. That's the, hot, that's the hot thing, right? It's the thing that's in vogue. But, you know, the guy that you have is still doing an okay job. This team is 6-1, and one, right? This team is playing good football. I think there are a lot of Penn State fans here who are completely clueless when it comes to perspective, all right? I'm I'm probably talking to 1 or 2% of you people, but again, what happens is uh, a minority of people can do and say stupid things that that stands out about I, I think most Penn State fans 95 98% are reasonable and they're 6 and 1 and they'll see what happens against Ohio State and then we'll judge. But I've had people all week tell me, "Jared, the season's over." That's effing stupid. Okay, that's effing stupid. If you're out there and you call yourself a fan and you say the season's over because they have one loss to me, get some damn perspective. Get some damn perspective in your life about what it means to be a fan. I mean, if I, again, I'm probably talking to such a small minority of people, and maybe I'm spending too much time on. But but I had I I, I saw and, and heard from 15, 20 different people this week. Oh, the season's over. Just go ahead and play for the future. If they beat Ohio State next week, they're in the playoff. A very, very good chance they could be in the playoff. Now, are they going to beat Ohio State next week? Probably not. They might lose by three touchdowns. But the point I'm trying to make is, in 2016, they pulled off a miracle. 
You've got one loss. If you come out and th- this notion that the season was over before this game was played, if you're a fan out there and you think that, you you need to reevaluate your perspective on sports. Yeah, and I think you know it's difficult, right? Because we have to write the game as you know we're unbiased, but we we don't see it through the Penn State tinted eyes, right? Some people might think that we do, but we don't. Um, that's a good point, and that's you know that's tough, right? We are we've been at almost every game, you know, for however many years. So, so many different things happen, but this is, this has been one of the, you know, biggest stories in recent memory, and it really shouldn't be a story. And I, and I go back and forth with this every week because you want to see what Aller's got. What is Penn State ceiling, right? I think 10 and 2 is a very, very good and reachable goal. But the flip side, if but you're 10 and 2 and you've lost by three touchdowns, Ohio State and Michigan, right. people say that's a hollow. T- and look, and I get that. That makes perfect sense. That's why next week's game against Ohio State, we want to see how they do. If they're within 10 points, you got to think, hey, that's a pretty good choice. If they lose by three touchdowns, I, I do get, even if they go 10 and 2, people are going to say, well, they really weren't any good. They got destroyed in their two biggest games. But at the same time, uh, let's not jump that shark yet until we actually see the Ohio State game. And as bad as Sean Clifford has played at times, it's not necessarily warranted a change, right? Because because as bad as he can play against Michigan, he comes out here and has one hell of a ball game against Minnesota. So, you know, you have to kind of look at it bo- both ways. And this is a four year, fourth-year starter. Is the freshman the answer? Maybe for the future, but again, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. You don't necessarily know what you're going to get out of Drew Aller. You think you know, but you just don't. And he's looked good in, in his small spurts, but you just have no idea. And and I mean, at the same time, you also don't necessarily know the idea that you're going to have, what you're going to get out of Sean Clifford, because it could be on so many different ends of the spectrum. And that's what makes this kind of some, this makes it so magnifying, because you have the young guy, first year guy, the highly touted prospect that Yurcich brought here for Yurcich's offense, and he's behind Clifford, who's behind, who's been in, on, on like offensive coordinator number seventeen, you know, since he's been here since the nineteen eighties. But it, it's just one of those situations where it, it, it's not going to go away anytime soon. And it, as much as we think that it should, it's the hot thing to do because what else is there to talk about? Penn State dominated against Minnesota. They dominated PJ Fleck. Kirk Scirocco did not get revenge, and Penn State comes goes into Ohio State with a lot hanging in the balance, uh, and there isn't any other story to talk about other than Sean Clifford versus well, Drew Aller. they had this three-week span against Michigan, Minnesota, and Ohio State. We, we've known since the schedule came out this was going to be the season. Second schedule. Can't forget Correct. about that. That's right. right. <laughs> First one. And uh, so we've known that this was going to be the season, and – I, I felt all along you got to give Clifford these three games. And I know that a, a large number of Penn State fans don't agree with that. I ran a Twitter poll, had 500 votes on it. Who should start this week? 78% said Drew Aller. So I get where the fan base is, is at. I know where their opinion is. I just think those people are wrong because Sean Clifford gave you your best chance to win this game. Uh, Sean Clifford gives you your best chance to beat Ohio State. Folks, if you honestly think, that Drew Aller gives Penn State their best chance to beat Ohio State next week, given how little Drew Aller's played. I, I just, and this puts me in a tough predicament, Jared, because I, I don't want to be sitting here trying to defend Sean Clifford. He is as average as it gets. I've written book length amounts of stories about how average Sean Clifford is. I'm not going to sit here and be a hypocrite and start singing his praise. But for these three games at these this time of year, 
Sean Clifford last year against Ohio State threw for 361 yards. He was 35 out of 52, I believe. 361 yards. Penn State trailed that game by three points in the middle of the fourth quarter in Columbus. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does, is Penn State going to beat Ohio State next week? No, I don't think so. It might not be close. But Sean Clifford has played in those kinds of games. Again, I go back to last year. They were right in the game. He has seen their defenses. He has seen no, what they do. So to me, if they lose to Ohio State, now we'll reevaluate the whole quarterback situation after that. But I just thought it was silly all along to, to think that they were going to change quarterbacks during this particular three-game stretch. Yeah, and it's always tough to read James Franklin's mind because he's never going to tell us anything that we want to hear anyway. So, you know, Sean Clifford misses a game or misses a practice this week when the media is there. So obviously that creates a lot of buzz. Uh, he he actually practiced Tuesday fully, missed went, or was that practice, did handoffs, did not throw. He was pretty sore, according to Franklin, after the game. So, I mean, there's strategy involved and, you know, there's there isn't a need for a quarterback as much as a quarterback change as much as everybody like longs for one. Uh, it's not going to happen unless Sean Clifford needs pride off the field because of what he's done for this program. And yeah, it hasn't added up in the in the record books. No, probably not. But he's a four year starter. He's earned this job four years in a row. Uh, good, bad or indifferent. Now, that's not saying that the competition behind him was much better in years prior. But he's earned this opportunity. You got to ride him until he can't go anymore. And here you are sitting at 6-1, and one, entering Ohio State, which is better than a lot of people predicted them to be coming into the season. Uh, we'll get into Ohio State in the next segment. do want to mention here in this segment, James Franklin was booed as well. This was a tough week for James Franklin. A lot of criticism. There are a lot of Penn State fans that are not sold on James Franklin. And I, I get much more booing a coach who's who's got a 10-year, $85 million contract than I do booing a, a college kid. Uh, but Franklin um, was asked uh, in, in, bef- after the game by Mark Brennan about the fan reaction. He says, no, I don't pay attention to that kind of stuff. I asked Sean Clifford about getting booed. He had a good, responsible answer about how Penn State's fans are passionate. Again, I, I get much more booing Franklin. Um, but James Franklin, I'll tell you what, in terms of a must-win game, this was a must-win game for James Franklin. Not that he was in any danger of getting fired. His buyout is $72 million, for God's sake. Uh, but he needed this game to get to get people off of his back. Yeah, absolutely, and they, and they should be. Um, because, again, just like Sean Clifford, Franklin, outside of you know 2020 and 2021, where you're going against some pretty different circumstances each year, hasn't done much to to lose his job. Um, did he warrant the type of extension that he got? Probably not. But again, the grass isn't always greener. People can talk and clamor for the hot guy, but the hot guy isn't always the best one. Sometimes it's the, the middle of the road guy that, that really you know, lights their world on fire and, and does a great job. And, you know, you can't always hit a home run every, every pitch. And sometimes you swing and miss. And does, does Franklin, did he warrant that big time deal? Maybe. Um, if it no, was before he didn't. Come if it was on. before 2020, I probably would have said yes. Coming off that Cotton Bowl, there is victory. no coach in the history right. of the world that warrants a 10 year contract after going 11 11. There's no coach ever. That's there's no way he he warranted a 10 year deal after going 11 11. That's which is no. why I said after 2019 going into after the Cotton Bowl yeah, season, sure. yeah, probably. If, if he had been up for it after 2019, but, that's one thing. But again, you look at the college football landscape, and 
and you see what is out there. And they, they didn't give him a chance. They didn't want him to go anywhere. And, and he's a good representation uh, representative for the university. I agree with that. Um, but, you know, the results have to, you know, they have the, you had to get start going to the playoffs. And that's, why he, to needed, start, that's why he needed today. Right. And if he loses today. And then they lose to Ohio State. Now it's three weeks in a yeah. row, and this is why this is why this was a must win for James Franklin. Yeah, exactly, and that's the thing. You know, he came out handled business. This is probably one of the best weeks of coaching that I think he's done, even with all the turmoil that happened at Michigan. And, and Corey, I wanted to ask you. You know, it's been a while. Um, how do you feel about peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? Ah, that's great. How about that? Throwing the throwing that out there, and then Mike Yersich on his call was talking about like a, a peanut. There's a thing with blocking about a peanut butter and jelly sound very ironic i thought that was hilarious to be honest with you and you know that we joke but it's just one of those situations right you know you just can't write this stuff i know um <laughs> the stories write themselves uh in college football but again penn state is six and one they're entering ohio state bowl eligible and i would imagine they're gonna be in the top 12 once again um so this is gonna be a top 12 matchup they host them. It'll be close. We'll see. It'll how be many. a strike they were, out. They were 16. I don't know if they'll quite get to 12. But if they beat Ohio State, they're definitely in the top 10. Uh, well, top 5, 6 maybe. Uh, no, I don't know about that. We have to have to wait and see. Right. So, I mean, Syracuse lost in front of them. Um, UCLA lost in front of them. So, it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens. Um, but this is a quality win against a Minnesota team that had a winning record when they were here. You can say what you want about the teams that Minnesota's played because they haven't been any good. Um, or the teams that they beat, they haven't been any good. But, you know, now it's on Ohio State. All right, we're going to preview the Penn State-Ohio State game coming up after this. Welcome to our third and final segment of the We Are podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Man, Ohio State is really, really good. Uh, I I just think they can do so many things on both sides of the ball. But I'm going to say this. I think Penn State matches up better against Ohio State, Jared, than they did against Michigan for this reason. Ohio State can throw the ball. They 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 like to do a lot of things through the air, and that's the one thing one thing that Penn State's defense does very very well is they've got an outstanding secondary. So I didn't think Penn State matched up well against Michigan because Michigan was just going to run and run and run, and Penn State is undersized as we talked all last week. So I don't see forty one to seventeen coming up against Ohio State. Penn State has just always found a way to compete with the Buckeyes better than better than I would have expected going in. Yeah, right. And I think the good thing for Penn State is it's at home, right? You know, obviously you play better in front of the home crowd. Um, it's a noon game. It's on Fox, uh, the big noon kickoff. So that game's going to last probably about seven hours. What do you think the noon thing? Because typically noon games are not great for Penn State. This is never – they've never played an opponent like Ohio State at noon here. No. How do you think that's going to work from a noon standpoint? Well, I think it's great for Ohio State. Yeah, um, I agree. I agree. I think it's better for the road team there. Yeah, and and I mean, but it also I think is great for Penn State too because now you're limiting your distractions, right? So you're waking up the team hotel, you're off the bus, ready to go. You have breakfast, team meetings, you're at the stadium, and it's game time. It's not sit around and wait, overanalyze, overthink, tire yourself out, um, and then you know you get out here and you see what happens. So you know it, it's it's just one of those situations where it benefits both teams. 
but it's who can take advantage of it. And Franklin's mentality, this is where that one and no mentality comes into play, right? We haven't seen every aspect or layer of the Penn State offense yet either. So there's going to be a lot that's shown against Ohio State in hopes of beating them. You think? There, sitting, hang on. You think there's more to the Penn State offense? Because I don't. I, I, I think this is it. I don't necessarily think that there's a lot more, but I think fundamentally they have their base packages, but they have some situations. Getting the tight ends involved today. That was, was huge. We haven't talked about that yet. If they can get the tight ends involved like this, that is a significant component. But not all Penn State's cards have been played yet. There's, they still have some wrinkles. Yursich knows, for the most part, Ryan Day and what Ryan Day yeah, is trying to run Yeah, he's got familiarity there. with Ohio State. Um, now, familiarity did not help Kirk Shiraka against Penn State. Well, he also um, didn't have a quarterback either. No, right. But at the same time, you know, it's Ohio State. It's a big game. And listen, both teams, are their seasons are maybe not Ohio State because Ohio State can and will recover if they lose. But Penn State, if they win... They are in the they are in control of a lot, except obviously what happens against Ohio State and Michigan. But they're in a they're in a great position to make the playoff and the Big Ten championship game, depending on what happens the rest of the year. All right. So I think Ohio State wins the national title. I think CJ Stroud wins the Heisman. I think Ohio State comes in here and wins by double digits. However, I, I do expect a pretty competitive show. Is it fair to say you can lose by 10 or 13 points but compete really well, Jared? Is is that fair to say from a – because I just think Ohio State is that good and Penn State has so much inconsistency problems. I I don't have a score yet. I want to see the line. I'm guessing it will be 10 to 12. But I I think Ohio State wins by 10 to 14 points. But even still, I think for a a large portion of the game – at least I hope we see this, that that we see Penn State compete pretty well with them. Yeah, I think they will compete rather well. I mean, they typically play Ohio State tough, um, but it'll be interesting to see what Penn State has. Um, and, and that's the other thing, too, with Ohio State. You know, you look at Ohio State's schedule, and, you know, they they dismantled Iowa. They, dis- they beat Michigan State. They, again, routed Rutgers, routed Wisconsin, Toledo, Arkansas State, um, beat Notre Dame. Who doesn't love that? Um, so this is this is this is their probably first challenge since Notre Dame. And Notre Dame is not real good, and they no. Did, no, it's not like Ohio State played tremendous against Notre. Dame. But, but that's that was week the, one. But that was the first week right. of the season. Right? So you know, Penn State's been challenged multiple times this year, um, both self-inflicted Northwestern, mm-hmm. um, you know, all kinds of adversity against Michigan, and and they went into Jordan Hare and beat Auburn handedly. Now. Of course, Auburn is not the Auburn that they were under Gus Malzahn or, or even Chiswick. Um, but that's a tough place to play. Now, the t- looking at um, Ohio State's schedule, the toughest place that they've played is Spartan Stadium. And that gets us back to the noon, though, here. That's why it's they're not Ohio State's not rolling in here with Tom Ali in a 2005— Corey, this is, this is Ohio oh State's God. second row game. Yeah, but 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 it's a new, but it's different. This is not. This is such an atyp. Noon games here have been against Kent State. Noon games here have been against these dog opponents. So I just really, I'll be honest, with you, I just really wonder what the atmosphere is going to be like here for noon for Ohio State. Yeah, it'll be interesting. But what what's shocking to me, and I and I'm, I I don't really want to harp on this, but this is their second row game. It is week seven. Or week eight. Yeah. That's insane. But they've got a lot of experience. On right. Obviously, they, they, that's different, you know. But at the same time, it's it, they've been here before uh, with fans. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, you, you hope it's Penn, for Penn State's sake that those fans are here early 
and they show up because those noon games against Kent State or Ohio or a Max team, those teams they don't they don't roll in it's until the first yeah, end of the first quarter. Dead early on. Uh, all right, so so to me, if Penn State just comes out and plays its basic game like today. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think they have much chance against Ohio State. Just on a all things being equal basis, Ohio State has better players, better coaches, better schemes, all of those things. So to me, I think this is the kind of week where, God, Jared, if you're saying Penn State's got anything left that they haven't shown, well, let's see it. Yeah, you have to because, because this at, is the season at, at this stage. Um. This is the kind of game where we want to see if James Frank look, I I have always been hesitant to call 2016 a fluke. Okay. Penn State was in the game. They were put prepared. They had the athletes and Marcus Haley and Marcus Allen and Grant Haley to, to get the block and the score. But that's the only time they've beaten Ohio State. That's the kind of play that happens once in a lifetime. And to me, if you're gonna beat Ohio State. You, you've got to come with something different. You've got to come with – you're not going to run Katron Allen and Nick Singleton up the gut and beat Ohio State. No. You're not going to play these base things that Penn State plays and beat Ohio – let's see something different. That's the one big big thing I have about going to Michigan last week. You know, Off a bye, Penn State did nothing. It didn't, it didn't seem like there were any – tweaks or additions or anything like that, Jared. It did. They went out and played a basic game. This is your season. If you, Whatever you've got left as coaches, we need to see it against Ohio State. Yeah, right. You know, you have to, you have to lay it all out there because this is, this is, you know, Penn State's playoff hopes, right? They hang in the balance against Ohio State next week. Um, because at ten and two with two losses to Michigan and Ohio State, you're you're mathematically essentially eliminated from the playoff um, and from the Big Ten championship. So your hope then is to be the next best team to make it to. What could they do though, from an X's and O's standpoint? You've been a football coach. What can they do to to try to differentiate themselves against uh, against a team that's better? Look, it's one thing if you're playing a team that you're better than. And Minnesota didn't have a quarterback. You're going up against the Heisman Trophy front runner right now. What can you do? To throw him off, or or on the other side of the ball, what can your offense do to throw Ohio State's defense? Well, I get I would get Singleton and um, Singleton and Allen in the game at the same time. I like that. Uh, I'd like um, to see, see Singleton in space. Don't get yeah, to right. him up the gut. Right. To do some toss hoops, get him a screen. They had the nice little screen. Did Singleton catch you know, that beautiful little screen that went for a nice gain? Do some different types of things like that. I would use them similarly to the way they used. Miles Sanders and Saquon Barkley. Get them on the field at the same time. Get them out in space. Open this. Open it up. Work side to side. You know, avoid the middle of the field because Larry Johnson's going to have those that front ready. And the, and Larry Johnson's the type of coach that you will go to battle for no matter what. And you know damn well that his group is going to be fired up mm-hmm. for this game. Mm-hmm. That is that is not negotiable. They are going to play for him and they're going to they're going to want to dominate for him. And they have the potential, but if you get those guys out in space and make some defenders miss, then you throw in some some of the quick passes, you know, get Parker Washington and some and some one-on-ones, Mitchell Tinsley, get the tight ends involved again, but get those guys in the field at the same time and get that change of pace. Whether you're running the ball, get them out in the open, and in all honesty, let Sean Clifford use his legs a little bit. He didn't use his legs today. 
Didn't have to, really. No, right. He didn't and, have and that's to. good. And that's he great did at Michigan. He did at Michigan but, with a 62-yard run. But get him out in space. Get uh, you know, Just like mix that. it up a little bit. And let's have some fun. Yeah. Great. Get, 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 I love that they utilize the tight ends today. I think we need to see more of that. But now, now Ohio State's seen it, and they'll, they'll try to game plan for it. But get Mitchell Tinsley, get Parker Washington over the middle. Some. I don't think you're going to be able to go deep on Ohio State. And one thing you are going to have to do is sustain drives. You're going right. to have to have some 8, 10, 12-play drives that go 70-plus yards. You can't go three and out against That's correct. State. And then you've got to score touchdowns in the red zone. You can't. It's the same, Look, it's the same thing we talk about with Penn State. Teams can move the ball in Penn State. But their defense is so good, they're not generally going to score touchdowns in the red zone. Same thing in reverse. I think Penn State can move the ball still on Ohio State, but when they get in the red zone, I think Mike Yurcich is really poor at calling plays in the red zone. I mean really poor. We, that's why one of the reasons uh, Kirk Sharaka was ousted because he, all, he, 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 he wanted to do fades all the, the time. And we, saw, we saw one against Minnesota tonight. But I, I just think Mike Yurcich uh, – he, he wants to run the ball in the red zone, and all teams do. I just don't think Penn State's built for that. Penn State's built to throw to Brenton Strange or yeah. or Tyler Warren or something in the red. That, that's what I'm talking about earlier. You've got to come to this game with something different. When you get to the 15-yard line, where's your damn Philly special? Where Where's your... Can can Catron Allen throw the ball? Can you do a toss sweep to him and he throws the ball back to Sean Clifford? You've got to come into this game with something up your sleeve. The field gets tighter the closer you get to the to the end zone, right? So you're in the you're at the twenty, you're in the red zone, and you only have thirty yards to work with. You know, so the biggest thing if I'm if I'm Mike Yurcich, I want to get my guys in space. So if I'm on the right hash, I'm going. I want to draw up a play that comes to the left hash. If you're going to run the football. Getting the ball and, and grounding and pounding from the 20 isn't going to do you very well because everybody's going to be in the box. It's a lot smaller of a field. You don't have as much room to work. But get those guys into conflict and into the open field, make some guys miss, and find the end zone. And if you were able to do that and put the defense in conflict, then you're going to have success. Um, and you know what? Don't be afraid for the quick routes, you know, the slant, the, the skinny post, or the out or the corner, you know. And, and find that and hit those guys on the line, whether that's tight end. You know, they had a couple tight end streaks right up the field um, on the go route, which I thought was very beneficial to them early. They found Tyler Warren with that. Now, it wasn't in the red zone. But, again, you know, put it on the line, put it in his chest, and, and make him make a play. Uh, but but the thing, you know, with, with all that is we talk about complementary football. Well, Penn State played a great game of complementary football against Minnesota. So as great as that was Saturday night, they've got to come out next Saturday afternoon and it's got to be 10 times better. And if it is, then they have a good chance as any of winning the game. Four years ago, James Franklin promised to make Penn State an elite program. And we find out about that in games like Michigan and Ohio State. Michigan kicked their rear. We're going to see if Penn State is anywhere close to the level of Ohio State next week. I don't have an official score yet. I'm thinking somewhere around 31-20, 31-17, give or take. I don't know. We'll see what the health status of everybody is. I do think the worst thing James Franklin has ever said here was that elite promise. I think he set a, he set a bar so high that he will always be ridiculed until he reaches that bar. And um, this we're, look, this is this is where the rubber meets the road against Ohio State, Jared. This is where. 
you're, you're, you're always going to judge yourself, not against Minnesota, not against Michigan State. You're going to judge yourself against Ohio State, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, and I listen, I, I don't want to put a score up because I, you just don't know what happens in a rivalry game. It's going to be a stripe out for Penn State. But at the same time, we're going to find out what Penn State's all about next week. Um, we're going to find out a lot about Ohio State, too, uh, because, again, they haven't truly been challenged um, quite like they probably will be next weekend. So for me, I think it's going to be a 3-10 to 10 point game, but I think it's Ohio State getting the victory, and it's that close because this isn't going to be a noon game at Penn State and in Beaver Stadium. All right. Uh, game of the season. Interesting. Don't boo college kids. For Jared Prugar, I'm Corey Geiger. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast this week. Thank <laughs> you.